Hello everyone and welcome back to the Looks Good on Paper podcast as ever. I'm your host Felix Pate. It's been a while but I'm back today with the first in this new series on the channel, The Spreadsheet Test. Using our data and metrics to talk about players past and present all around the world um, and if they pass the eye test or more importantly for us, do they pass our spreadsheet test? And um, I'd also like to link this series a little bit to a new exciting platform that has just launched um, called Five Yards. Uh, they launched just over a week ago. Um, I speak regularly on Twitter to many of the people that are involved. It's a fascinating concept. Um, they've done really well so far since launch. And if any of you watching this or listening to this are on Five Yards, either as a scout or a trader, then you might find some useful information in this series of podcasts. So today I'm going to be going through the first 10 Premier League clubs alphabetically from Arsenal to Leicester City and picking out one youngish player who is already on the Five Yards platform and talking about how their potential career development might go. So what's, what's Five Yards? Um, you'll see the big thing at the bottom there, looks good on paper, is in no way associated with Five Yards. I just thought this might be an interesting link um, to both bring more views into this podcast, you might find some relevant information, but also to support and promote a fantastic uh, new business. So it's a, it's a football scouting and trading platform. Um, if you've ever seen Football Index, there are a few slight similarities with that, um, but the bulk of the platform is free. Um, you can scout any player on there, write a scout report on that player. You can rate their attributes, you can talk about their technique, their mentality, the system that they play in, where they might go in the future. I, and it's really exciting. And there's some really, really in-depth, detailed scout reports on there. And then as you write more scout reports and as your players that you're writing these reports on go on to do well, you'll earn a scout rating and that will go up and up. Uh, and there's a leaderboard for the best scouts. Uh, there's also a player trading element to it. So you can buy shares in a player um, and sell them obviously once you bought them and then they will both earn you money if their transfer value rises but also through this thing called performance pay and this is the interesting reason why I want to link our work to performance pay because it's based around three very easy to understand concepts in wins so the player starts a match and he wins a game he scores a goal or he gets an assist and these are the things that we track and we build into our model with other heavy contextualization. Um, these are earned in the Champions League and Europa League, the uh, top five leagues, so Premier League, La Liga, German Bundesliga, Serie A, Liga in France, and also um, the second tier in England, the Championship. So you, you can buy shares in players outside of these leagues in the hope that they will get a transfer to one of them and start earning the performance pay. Uh, and the best thing I think about the site is that it's open-ended. You can literally request any player on the globe and the five-yard scouting team will scout them and put a transfer value on them based on how much PP they think they will earn over the rest of their career. Um, in case you're not familiar with our models, um, two main models, uh, Impact Score, which has been in existence for the last four years in various forms. I've talked about it on a couple of platforms on Twitter and some of the people's podcasts, but it's basically looking at 
how well a team plays with a certain player on the pitch. So it's it's not like plus minus where it compares the on the pitch versus off. It's purely when the player's on the pitch, how well does the team do? And then we contextualize those minutes for a variety of factors. So we look at points per game, but we try and strip the look out of said points per game by looking at the expected points from goal difference. Um, we do this over entire career, not just <coughs> over the course of a season or a few games. We use as many minutes as possible to get the most accurate results. Um, we contextualize for the quality of the player's teammates and also the quality of the opponents they're playing. So naturally their score might be inflated by playing with good teammates. So we account for that. And likewise, if they're playing against easy opposition, we'll deflate the values slightly. That then feeds into a secondary model that's been developed recently called goals per season. Um, and that's basically just looking at the combined playing time that a player gets over a season and looking at their output. So their impact scores, their, their quality of play and the goals for that they contribute to the goals against or the lack thereof that they contribute to and the actual goals the player scores themselves and feeding that into a single number that represents their output on any given season or over an average season and then the projections are based off our models and that's basically looking at how much performance pay we might expect a given player to get given their current levels of playing time goal output impact score all of those kind of things which is useful for the five yards people. Um, so let's have a look at our 10 players for today. First up, um, Arsenal and their young striker, Eddie Enketia. So we can see his metrics on the right-hand side. Uh, 112.6 impact score, 8.5 GPS. And the important thing here is the projections, three wins, 10 goals, one assist. Now it might seem weird, 10 goals, three wins, that's because Eddie Nketiah doesn't start a lot of games. We track minutes as a starter versus minutes as a sub and how many games a player plays in a game overall. And that's fed into this win projection. So we predict him to start and win three games. Obviously, he might come off the bench and get the wins, but that wouldn't count towards any performance pay on five yards. Um, but, you know, the goal off the bench would. Um, you can see to the left here a couple of charts. Uh, the top multicolored one, the red, blue, green, yellow is their goals per season for various aspects of play. And basically with these charts, the further to the right that the chart peaks, uh, the better that score is. You've got lines at 10, 20, and 30 to help you read them better. And then this purple one down below um, is showing the variance that might happen to a player's impact score in any given game. So this generally varies a lot more for younger players, as you can see there. Enketia in any given game could range from 84 right the way up to 140, but it's probably going to settle around that average of 112.6. Uh, so it's an interesting case with Nketiah. Um, goal machine, really, throughout his youth career. You know, England under-21s, he's just gone past the goal record and scored bags and bags of goals in Arsenal's youth teams. And whenever he's played for Arsenal, he's tended to make an impression um, at the senior level as, as well, scoring goals. And generally not looking out of his depth in terms of the impact score for his senior minutes. He's never been out of his depth. So I think the Aubameyang situation is an interesting one. Um, obviously he signed a new contract and hasn't really played centrally this year. Lacazette's form has taken a bit of a dip. And I really believe that Eddie Nketiah should, first and foremost, get minutes, but also will. I think the talent's definitely there. 
The goal output's phenomenal. It's quite hard to ignore. And I think over the next three to four years, he could really establish himself as that um, go-to striker for Arsenal. So he's, he could be worth a buy on five yards um, for those of you interested in the platform. But in terms of Nketiah's career as a whole, be interesting to see if he can break into the senior England side. You know, a, you've got the likes of um, Kane at the moment, Abraham, Calvert-Lewin's coming so far, uh, Ings and Bamford at the Premier League level, probably ahead of him in the pecking order. But in the next two to three years, could I see him becoming a rotation option? Certainly. And it all depends on Harry Kane. If he continues to play as that number nine, will he ever drop back to a deeper midfield role? But I think if Kane is to do that, this is the man to fill his shoes. Uh, Aston Villa's Matty Cash next signed uh, in the summer from Notts Forest. And he's right back. As you can see there, Around about a 90 impact score. So that's 10% below average, but that's in a data set of over 10,000 players. Most of his minutes have come in the championship, which is probably contributing to that lower score. Uh, if we look at those projections, six wins, two goals, four assists, which is good output for a fullback. Um, you know, six goal contributions there and contributing to this season, he's probably going to get more than those, those six wins. Um, but in the championship, with the amount of playing time he was getting, slightly struggled to. Um, so this season on the wins, he's probably going to overperform that. But in an average Matty Cash season, that's what we might expect. Um, I think he's been a revelation uh, for Aston Villa. They've obviously had a nice start to the season. Uh, coming for Ahmed El Mohamedi, was mainly playing right back for Villa last year. And he's added a much more direct attacking outlet. Still a bit suspect defensively, most people seem to think. Um, but that Villa team are just clicking in attack. You know, Ollie Watkins has come in. Grealish is in a real purple patch at the moment. Ross Barkley's coming on loan and added an impetus to the field. John McGinn, Douglas DeWeese playing well. And I think Cash down that right-hand side, getting in a lot of crosses to Ollie Watkins, has been really important to Villa this year. How do I see his career developing? I'd like to see that impact score go up a little bit, nudge over that 100 mark before we start talking about him, you know, moving to a bigger side in terms of international prospects. It's probably England's most overloaded position at the moment at right back. You know, the next slide is also going to feature a right back who I'd say is ahead of him in the pecking order. Um, so, yeah, I don't see him breaking into an England side anytime soon. But I think he's going to become a Premier League kind of ever-present um, over the next seven, eight years. Um, but yeah, I'd like to see that impact score nudged over 100. Uh, Tariq Lamptey, signed for Brighton in January. Been a bit of a tour de force um, for them. Playing firstly as a, a full-back in a back four and more recently uh, as a right wing-back in a three-stroke-five. He is one of their biggest creative outlets. Um, he's been winning penalties, uh, getting assists. You can see from projections there. Uh, seven wins, three goal contributions this season. Again, like Cash, probably going to be slightly under, but that's what we might expect in an average season. Um, certainly, you know, Brighton have been 
on the wrong end of a few results this year. The, the kind of expected performance metrics have them a lot higher on the table than they are. They've been robbed of a couple of games. But he's been a real gem for them. And I think it's credit also to that Chelsea Youth Academy that can just consistently churn out really good professional players. Even if they don't make it at Chelsea, um, you know, we saw the likes of Patrick Bamford came through that academy and he's doing remarkably well for Leeds this year. Lamptey, uh, another one of those who's really shone after getting the move away. But also, you know, the likes of Hudson Adoy uh, and Mount, who are still at the club, and Tamori, who came through, had a loan somewhere, and then have established themselves as first team rotation options and even sometimes regular starters. Um, you know, Brighton, Brain, uh, Graham Potter. As the coach there, an interesting coach. Maybe the word progressive could be applied to him. But I think Lamptey's going to come on leaps and bounds. And for me, it's it's a matter of time before he might return to Stamford Bridge, although they've got Rhys James obviously doing well at the moment. Or he moves to a, a bigger club. I think his England prospects are quite bright. You know, Walker approaching um, 30, or just over 30. Now, Alexander-Arnold, rumours are he might go into midfield. So I think Lamptey could be a nice fit for that. Right? Well, it depends. If we're playing a back five, I'd like to see him in there because he's used to it at club level. But even in a back four, I'd be happy with Tariq Lamptey at right back for England. I think those projections are going to get higher and higher. You can see by the impact score there, 111 already. Uh, exciting future ahead, I think. Um, Burnley? There was only really one natural choice for a, a younger player um, because that Burnley squad is is aging and it's not looking good for them. I, I said my concerns about Burnley at the start of the season and so far um, they're proving correct, sadly for them. But Dwight McNeil, the lone young star in that Burnley side, people might be a bit surprised that the metrics are on the low side there. An impact score of about 90 GPS of about five in terms of his overall productivity. Projections there, six wins, one goal to assist. The goal contribution output does seem on the low side. The wins might seem on the high side. Maybe they'll balance each other out. Overall, that's ten, nine lots of um, PP over the course of a season. I'm not sure. He's, he's barely missed any football over the last two and a half years, which is a good thing. I really do value minutes played, get those minutes in the bank, accrue the experience, and that's only going to serve you well later in your career. But I think being part of that Burnley side could stagnate him if he doesn't move quickly. You know, As I said, there's that impact score, only 90 people might expect it to be a lot higher. I think playing in, with the players he's got around him that's contributing to that. And I think his development really could be stunted. I don't think he'll go down to the championship. I think someone will take a punt on him if Burnley are to go down this season. I can't. Are they saying that, you know, someone like an Emmy Buendia didn't get picked up by anyone. And I think with the Brexit restrictions coming in, English players will come at a premium um, due to the new work permit rules. It's been quite tricky for people to get their heads around it. It seems but it does seem that English players will become the premium. 
and if Premier League squads do need to fill a quota of homegrown players and Burnley go down, he could go for a considerable fee in the summer. International prospects, people are saying could try him at left wing back. I can see it. Um, if we're playing this back three with wing backs, I really like Bukayo Saka as that left wing back. I think he's done well in his England appearances to date. I see his long-term future probably being slightly more central. Um, you've got the likes of James Justin and Sam McCallum in terms of younger players coming through that could fill that slot. Chilwell and Shaw still there. So I'm not sure. That's an interesting theory. Um, let me know your thoughts on Dwight McNeil, the wing-back. Obviously plays in a 4-4-2 at Burnley, mainly on the left-hand side. Um, Chelsea. Callum Hudson, Adoy, um, target of Bayern Munich. The rumours are to be believed over the last 12 months. Um, rumoured to be going to Everton on loan, which I'd have loved if that had have come off. Um, a very, very talented player. As you can see there, the impact score 117, already at a 10 GPS for someone his age. Six wins and 11 goal contributions in those projections. He's a flair player, isn't he? Um, great dribbler, just a real direct threat for me. And Chelsea are quite stacked at the moment in terms of their attacking pieces. You know, Werner, who can play wide left, Zayic, um, Christian Pulisic, Mount can play wide. So it's where he fits in, and it's about him being able to get consistent game time. Because um, if he can't get it at Chelsea, his value's Obviously, going to depreciate his five yards value, depreciate going back to that. And I think him as a player, again, this will be for lack of minutes rather than the players around him like McNeil, but his development will get stunted. And it's then hard to see him battling back to being a Champions League player because, in my eyes, he's 100% should be playing regular minutes for top Champions League clubs. His talent is undeniable. Again, with the England side, he may struggle to fit in. Sterling, Sancho, Rashford, Grealish at the moment, um, all probably ahead of him in the pecking order. But his time will come. He's only young. Um, 20, is he 20 or 21 at the moment, I think? Um, so he, he just needs to keep getting those regular minutes in the bank. And the talent will shine through for me. And Crystal Palace, as I'm recording this, got a 5-1 win today against West Brom. And this man has taken all the plaudits. Uh, Eberich Eze signed in the summer from QPR. Loved by a lot of the, the kind of Twitter scouts. Not loved massively by impact scores. You can see there, again, around the 90 mark. That GPS of eight shows that he's getting consistent minutes, consistent goal and assist output, and maybe just slightly being dragged down by the level of play he's played at so far and the lack of quality around him has possibly dragged him back. So it's good to see him in the Premier League. I mean, even as you can see there, seven wins and 12 goal contributions for those projections. That hints that he's got the ability to step up and perhaps he was just being dragged down by the teammates he had around him. So this is definitely a guy for me passing the spreadsheet test as a high upside 
kind of guy. Hasn't found it easy in his first few months at Palace. Hasn't always started. And Roy Hodgson been playing very much a 4-4-2 system throughout this season. To good effect, mostly. Palace have had a, a good start. And it's mainly been uh, Jeff Schlupp on the left-hand side. But when it hasn't been, um, then Eze has come in and started drifting inside. I think he has been able to lift some of the burden off Zaha in terms of the creativity. I think Palace were possibly overly reliant on Zaha over the last couple of seasons to get them goals, aside from Milivojevic uh, through set pieces. But I think it's really good that he's managed to make that step up to the Premier League uh, and thrived in the, the opportunities he's been given so far. Had a very good game in the big win against Leeds. As I say, had a very good game today. I think it's one of those where he's possibly been dragged down by the level of play around him. But in terms of his talent and his output, he was definitely ready to make that step up. It'll be interesting to see if he can get, um, if he uses Crystal Palace as a stepping stone to jump up to that maybe next tier of teams. I'm thinking um, Everton, Leicester, Wolves, that three just outside the traditional big six. Speaking of Everton, um, my club, if you didn't know, Richarlison, subject of a bit of a transfer saga, if we can call it that, um, allegedly rejecting around £90 million from Barcelona. Um, again, maybe surprised by the impact score. Um, just under 100, but the output speaks for itself. Consistent minutes contributing to that 12 GPS. Indeed, he'd only missed seven games in his two and a bit seasons so far at Everton, and we've lost them all. Uh, There's an interesting quirk. And then nine wins, 18 goal contributions. I'd say that's that's possibly skewed um, in favour of assists. I'd say 12 and six, maybe more likely, um, Watching, having watched him play over the last few years. So far, I've been playing off, just off the left and um, this season in a front three with Calvert-Lewin centrally and uh, the Colombian wizard, James Rodriguez, on the right. But he can play centrally. Um, at times, you know, last, the bulk of last season, we played a 4-4-2 uh, where he was paired up front with Dom Calvert-Lewin. And he's just a consistent, direct goal threat. His first instinct for me is always to run at goal or play an ambitious pass that will get the team closer to goal. Um, doing very well internationally as well, become a regular starter for the Brazilian national team. And I think if we don't have another good season this year, and by good season we have to finish top eight at least, I think we could see him move to a Champions League club. In terms of the five yards, knock-on effect of that, performance pay would rocket up massively uh, as the Champions League hands out the biggest uh, dividends in terms of performance pay. Um, and I, th- I think he'd thrive. Another who perhaps been held back by the team around him, you know, he finished... 8th, 8th, and 12th. How long has he been there? No, two seasons. 8th and 12th was it last season with us so far. You know, wasn't, didn't play in a particularly good Watford team, didn't play in a particularly good Fluminense team. It's probably dragged him down, but his output has shone through 
um, outside of that team lack of quality. I think he's definitely ready to make the step up. If he doesn't make the step up with Everton as a, a top six challenger, then he'll definitely be getting offers from elsewhere to do likewise there. You know, any decent Champions League outfit probably be sniffing around him. Um, Fulham, this is a man who's grabbed a, a lot of headlines and praise this season. Um, Andre, Frank, Zambo, Anguissa. Um, another IS just ticking under 100. Um, and I'll just make a point on that, actually. You know, this, our database is populated with a vast variety of players from non-league, you know, the National League North and South guys to Pele, Maradona, Cruyff. So to be around that 100 mark is, is pretty good. Um, I'd expect most Premier League players to be 90 plus and everyone we've seen rounds up to about 90 plus so far. Um, GPS 6.1. Okay for a DM, you know, consistent minutes, possibly lacking. Um, as you can see there, six wins, no goals, two assists. So he's doing the dirty work. He's not um, a defensive midfielder who's going to contribute to a lot of goals. He's there to, to really shield the back four. Which obviously in a side like Fulham, who are struggling towards the bottom of the table, that's an unenviable task. Um, he's doing very well in the more event data-based metrics. This isn't like pressures and tackles and interceptions. Obviously, he's getting a lot of opportunity to do that because Fulham are under the cosh a lot of the time. But he's done it with aplomb so far. Normally playing um, alongside Harrison Reed, who signed for Southampton. I... He's another like um, McNeil, who if Fulham are to go down, he's probably going to get a move to a, another Premier League side. Um, you know, defensive midfielders are a vital part of many teams these days, whether they're playing a three in midfield with one sitting and two just in front, or whether they're playing a 4 2 3 one with the two sitters. A really mobile and destructive defensive midfielder who can break up the play and set the platform for your own side to attack is such a vital uh, cog in most tactical systems these days. I'm pretending to talk tactics like I know what I'm talking about. I really don't. I'm, as I say, I'm a spreadsheet man, but that's just my interpretation of it. Um, solid to some anguissa up in one word. Um, can definitely see him playing Premier League football next year, whether Fulham survive or they don't. Um, and, you know, rightly deserves the plaudits he's got for his performances this season. Um, as does this man, um, Captain Fantastic at Ellen Road, Calvin Phillips. I'm friends with uh, a large number of Leeds fans, if the accent doesn't give it away. Um, and they worship at the feet of this man. Broke into the England team, which is fantastic. Impact score already over 100, despite this being his first top flight campaign, shows the influence that he's had on this Leeds team, but also the influence that Marcelo Bielsa has had on him. Playing him as this, um, between the back four and the midfield four, as this floating defensive midfielder, able to drop into the back three and just launch attacks brilliantly. Um, as you can see there, nine wins and five goal contributions are his projections. 
possibly the most on the nose one uh, off the top of my head that this spreadsheet has come up with. Um, don't blame me, burn the spreadsheet. Although I made the spreadsheet. Um, I, I think Leeds will challenge for the top half this season. Hasn't been an easy ride. They've taken the rough of the smooth. You know, they've got some good results. A draw against Manchester City, a win against Everton the other week, a narrow loss to Liverpool. But on the flip side of that, there's um, a thumping by Crystal Palace of all teams, a thumping by Leicester, uh, and a defeat to Chelsea yesterday. Alongside, you know, a good win against Villa, draw against Arsenal. I think they, they've settled nicely back into life in the top flight. 16-year absence has hurt a lot of Leeds fans. They, they feel they are a Premier League club. To me, they're a Premier League club. If you're asking me to name my all-time Premier League, Leeds go in there in a heartbeat. And this man has been injured a little bit recently, and I think it, it told on the performances from what I heard from Leeds fans. You know, plays has got more minutes over the last couple of seasons, start to get those more consistent minutes. Plays at a good level of play, despite, as I said, this being his first top-flight campaign. That just shows the influence he's exerted in the championship. Um, and, you know, will contribute to a few goals as well. I think it's really great that he's in and around that England squad. If we're going to play a 3-4-3, not sure he's the best. If we're going to play a 4-3-3 um, with a single holding player, i definitely like to see him in that, that role. Um, if you played him, Jordan Henderson and Phil Foden for me, um, that's a really interesting midfield three. A nice blend. With Calvin Phillips, um, credit to him for the, the brilliant start to life that he and, by extension, his team have had to life in the Premier League so far. And finally, uh, today, uh, another young tearaway uh, with England ambitions, James Justin probably wouldn't have played much this season had Ricardo Pereira not been injured. Um, versatile fullback, um, has played right and left back for both Leicester and Luton Town before that. Um, look at that impact score 115 nearly um, for one so young and for one who's only in his second Premier League campaign. Didn't get a lot of minutes last season. Um, but was on fire for Luton in back-to-back promotion years. Uh, the projections, if you look there, eight wins, three goal contributions. Not bad. Um, we'd, you'd probably like to see that output go up a little bit more, especially given he's been playing in a back three-slash-five as a wing-back this year, uh, on the left mainly with Castagna playing on the right. But um, I, you know, I'm an advocate for a left-footed left-back where applicable, but... England aren't blessed with left-backs the way they are with right-backs at the moment. Um, Chilwell and Shaw are probably the front-runners if we're going to play back far, but this man keeps getting development time at left-back. I'd definitely like to see him given a run of games in an England shirt and see if he can be a long-term option there. Obviously, that's dependent on whether he, he carries on playing there for Leicester. Now, Ricardo Pereira's back. be interesting to see what the situation um, Rodgers does with Pereira, Castagne and Justin. Castagne and Justin can both play on both sides. But I think Pereira is the nailed-on starter. So I hope it doesn't stunt the game time that he's going to be given. Um, could, could he play as a centre-back in a back three, as an outside centre-back? Um, I'm not sure. Um, you know, the attacking output suggests that 
there's sufficient defensive quality um, there. And, you know, just to expand on that, our research, if you want to call it that, has shown that on average players who have more attacking output have uh, less defensive output and vice versa. So they're kind of inversely proportional, if you know what that means. Um, as one goes up, the other comes down. So a non-attacking fullback who isn't getting a lot of goal contributions, it's a safe bet to say that the defensive contributions will be good. Um, so potentially he's athletic enough to play in a back three, but I just hope he, get, he keeps getting consistent game time uh, as a left or right back. Preferably left back for me if he's going to solve that hole in the England side. But nonetheless, Probably my favourite out of the, the 10 players mentioned today. I love watching James Justin whenever I get a chance to watch football these days. And um, he definitely passes the spreadsheet test. So that's the first 10. And next time we're going to be going from Man City to... Uh, no, sorry, Liverpool to Wolves um, for the next 10 players in the Premier League. If you have any ideas for different leagues, topics that you'd like us to cover in the spreadsheet test, Drop them in the comments below or let me know on Twitter at OwlGotFelix and we can definitely make that happen. Um, if you could give our Twitter a follow, that'd be brilliant. We post threads on historical teams and current teams and our predictions for games. Um, so go check that out and don't forget after you've watched this video to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any more future spreadsheet test podcasts uh, and hit the like button if you wouldn't mind. I've been Felix Pate. You've been watching the Looks Gone Paper podcast. We'll see you next time.